I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. I'm, of course, your lovely host, Sean, and I'm joined by my lovely host, Tom. But I'm also this week joined by our lovely guest and colleague from afar, the wonderful Mick Jost of Cinema Blend. How are you, sir? Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Sean, for having me. It's it's great to be here. Uh, it is absolutely wonderful to have you because I feel like um, what a lot of the listeners might not know is that there's been an awful lot of we kind of crossed over in some respects and people have been talking. To, this is the first time we've actually properly spoken. So this is quite cool. Right, right. Yeah. Usually it's in the DMs on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days. But yeah, seeing each other face to face. Well, face to face over the Internet through Zoom. But, you know, yeah. you know. I don't want to meet people in real life these days. That's, that's too much. <laughs> too much pressure. Yeah. Do you want to just give us a quick rundown of, of who you are, what you do, or like just for people who might not know? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm Mick. Uh, worked at Cinema Blend, I think, seven or eight years now, but I've been writing online since like 2010. Um, I actually am a late bloomer to Star Trek. I don't know if I ever shared this, but um, I basically decided I was a radio DJ for a long time, and then I decided to quit journalism or sorry, quit radio and television, uh, and then jump into journalism full-time. And when I got home during the days, I get bored, I'd throw on BBC America. And they used to air Doctor Who. I was a big Whovian at the time, so I was watching Doctor Who. And then one day I got on, I was like, Star Trek TNG. And I was like, oh, you know, I like Patrick Stewart. I watched the X-Men movies, and I think I would like Star Trek. And, you know, it was all history from there. I just started binging everything like a madman and caught up. And then 2017 rolled around and I was like, all right, I'm all plugged in and ready for the new era. So here we are today, writing Star Trek articles and interviewing the celebrities and all that stuff. I love it. Actually, I just want to say that's, that's so good. So you actually met like your your first experience with Patrick Stewart was as Professor X. I love yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew him through that. Yeah, my parents weren't too geeky growing up, so I didn't have a ton of exposure outside of like the Star Wars films. Um, I'm just going to alienate our half our fan base. Like, you know, I love the fact that the Star Wars films are a gateway drug um, <laughs> and and that's all they'll ever be. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't go <laughs> for me. So have you watched? So say like, you know, I presume you have at this stage, but like gone back and gone through all of the original series, which obviously there's so many comparisons between the original series and Strange New Worlds. Right. Yeah. I've seen most of TOS. Um, I actually controversially to some people online only saw Wrath of Khan for the first time uh, this year, a few months ago. I wrote a whole article on it. Um, So, yeah, yeah, you can check that out on Cinema Blend. I still have to go through the rest of the TOS movies. So that'll be a journey that I'll be tackling throughout the rest of the year. Um, I've seen TNG. I've seen Voyager. I've seen Enterprise. I've seen all the new stuff. So um, Deep Space Nine, still a whole. I've only seen about like 20 or 30 episodes. So I need to need to catch up on that one. But uh, beyond that, I'm pretty caught up. OK, uh, when it comes to the movies, five is probably the best. Uh, really? But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll enjoy that one. Um, and DS9, I mean, yes, you must finish DS9. But there's also the fun thing of don't rush it. Enjoy it. You know, like uh, that's because we we have our, our co-host, obviously, Ellie, 
she's going through some of Star Trek for the first time as well. And like in a way, I feel bad for her because she'll, she'll have to present an article or present a video, for example, that will talk about things that maybe let's say she's on episode one of a season and it talks about something from episode 17. And we're like, you know, well, Ellie, we know what you're doing this evening, don't we? You know, you have half a season to main to mainline. For sure, for sure. Definitely Picard season three writing articles. I was spoiled on most of the Dominion Wars uh, going through all of that. So, you know, once I get there, it'll still be exciting. You know, I'm used to spoilers at this point with all the things I cover. Yeah, well, we, we live in a spoiler generation now. So it's a, it's a different kind of, it's not like it used to be. And talking about spoiler generation, let's spoil all of the second season of Strange New Worlds. <laughs> what a segue. Love it. <laughs> Right. Um, so I'm going to really quickly, because I'm very good and prepared this, and I'm not definitely just Googling this now. Um, I'm just going to read through the names of each of the episodes in season two, just in really quick sequence, because then what we're going to do is we're going to go through them. Now, so Mick, myself and Tom and our, our guests throughout the season, we've already given a rating for each of these episodes. So we're going to basically do like a real kind of like guerrilla warfare way of, I don't know why I went with guerrilla warfare, because why not, uh, way of going through these. So we're going to ask you uh, from one to 10, uh, when we would we, we'll discuss the episode and then go, okay, Mick, one to 10, what's your score? And Tom, who I assume has been keeping track of all of the scores for the entire season, uh, we can then compare and contrast everything. And the look in his eyes fills me with so much confidence. So... <laughs> Uh, right, Strange New World, Season 2, Episode 1, The Broken Circle, Episode 2, Ad Astra Peraspera, Episode 3, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Episode 4, Among the Lotus Eaters, Episode 5, Charades, Episode 6, Lost in Translation, Episode 7, Those Old Scientists, Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody, and Episode 10, Hegemony or Hegemony, depending on where you live in the world. Okay, let's go back. Season, season premiere. What did we think? I'll, I'll be honest. I was kind of nervous after watching the season premiere. I was like, hey, you know, this, is, this isn't this is bad. But at the point when I first watched that first episode and I sat down, I was like, I feel like that was weaker than any episode I saw on season one. And I kind of got that feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, oh, no, is this am I in for a sophomore slump? Um, it was cool seeing the Klingons and their classic look and all that. But um, I don't know. There was just some parts. uh I think one thing that I liked was that it felt like a classic TOS adventure uh, in the way it played out, but also like a TOS adventure, it felt overly drawn out and that there were parts like Mbenga and Chapel just fighting forever. And I was like, uh, you know, um, we don't even really get the context of that until far later in the season, which maybe watching it again, I'd probably appreciate it more. But at the time, watching them shoot up on drugs and fighting Klingons, I'm like, what was, what was all that about? You know, <laughs> like didn't really didn't really connect with it all that much. And uh, at the end of the day, I sat there thinking, I was like, this feels like a filler episode in a season that only has 10 episodes. So for me, that was just something that uh, I was a little disappointing of a start off. Um, wasn't terrible. Not a ton of Pike. Um, but yeah, you know, it wasn't bad wasn't good kind of thing for me. I think, yeah, because obviously we've gone into our thoughts in detail. Tom, has anything in the time it's been since the episode aired, has anything changed for you? Um, Not really. Uh, the thing with the first episode is that I almost completely forgot it by the time we got to this one, to, to the end of it. And that's the strange thing about this season in general, is that there are some extremely memorable episodes, whether you like them or not, you remember them. And then there's just some very forgettable ones. And it, it did very much start off with a forgettable episode. There was glimmers of stuff in it that was like, okay, this is interesting. They're doing some action fight scene stuff. But like you said, it just went on for too long. And it was some strange choices. And, and it was, yeah, it's, Definitely a bad one to start off with. Uh, and I'm totally in the same opinion. I think as a premiere of a season, uh, I thought it wasn't the strongest bits I loved. Like, re, you know, it was great to see the new design of the Klingons. That's something obviously we'll talk about again when we get to Under the Cloak of War. Um, but yet the fight, the Mbenga chapel scenes went on, I felt, too long. And Mick, I, I, I could totally agree. The, the payoff coming eight weeks later to get any kind of real context to that other than they fought in the war. Okay, we know they did. That We're just not going to talk about that for eight weeks. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that, yeah, it, to me, it was like, had those two episodes been closer together and I would have brought the premiere 
further into the season rather than starting with the premiere. I would have started, I think, with episode two, which we'll discuss now in a second. I know we're kind of rocketing through this, but Mick, out one to ten, what would you give this? Well, I'm generally a forgiving person when it comes to ratings, so I feel like, you know, all of this season in general isn't going to be bad for me per se, so I gave it like a a six. Six? I think that's great. I don't think that's massively far off. I think no, what we gave it as well. I, I think I gave it a five, and I think you were around a six or something. So it's it, it's a middling episode for sure. For sure, yes. For yeah. Um, then we get like you know, so horse of a different color. We get Adas. I know we're rocketing through this. We get Adas per Espera, which, in my opinion, should have been the season premiere. Uh, what did we think of that episode? Fantastic. You know, uh, start to finish. One of the things I've always thought as a Star Trek fan is the whole hypocrisy and the. Uh, Thoughts against augments and all that. So it was one of those things for me where I was like, finally, we're like, you know, getting Starfleet's getting put to task by this badass lawyer. And uh, I saw people talk about uh, Yatiti Badaki, the actress who plays uh, Nira in the episode. And they were like, oh, it's good, but she shouldn't have been the star of it. I was like, she absolutely should have been the star of it. She crushed it. This felt like um, a legal drama. But also, you know, it, up there with some of Star Trek's best courtroom episodes that they've done um, with the callbacks to TOS, with the truth telling thing. Uh, I had a chance to talk to the director, actually, and uh, I've heard that she will be returning in season three. And I we can talk about that later as to why that probably will be. But, um, yeah, I think we all have an idea of why she will be returning to do another episode. Um, overall, I think, you know, there's nothing bad that can be said about it i feel like this performance or this episode kind of rests on nira and uh, her relationship with una and i think that's so like wonderful and the deep dive into augments just makes for like an incredible episode um at the time probably i thought this is the best i've seen in modern trek and then we got further into the season and i was like you know what it's kind of crazy because this somehow is falling more towards the middle of my list than the season rankings with everything else that came after that's that's gosh i tom i I think that this week might have been the first week where uh people got the idea of like oh tom's gonna be a wild card (laughs) Uh, (laughs) tom has different opinions yeah i know it is it was it it was strange because everything that people liked about it just just didn't click with me i know and everyone online disagrees with me so i don't i'm not the kind of person has a different opinion than goes everyone else is wrong i just know that i see see things slightly differently i think and um yeah i just was a bit bored and lots of the the performances didn't work for me uh the outcome didn't work for me again i think i would have preferred it if this was the first episode i sort of you know you sort of know where the outcome's going so beginning with this I think would have been nicer than beginning with a sort of strange kind of filler episode and then going here. Cause then you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this now. I know where this is going. Yeah. Just didn't work for me, but very happy. It worked for everybody else that watched it. <laughs> you know, I just met him. I'm not sure I can trust Tom now. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. He, he may have entirely wrong opinions on everything, <laughs> but he'll stand by them. And I, and you know what? I, 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 I respect the heck out of that. My biggest critique of the episode is the placement of it. Other than that, you know, I loved it. Um, I thought, uh, I think in the ups and downs, um, I was like halfway through the episode, I was like, so can everyone see that Patel is full on just working for the defense at this point? Um, which I thought was like, it was, it was grand. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, absolutely steals the show. For me, perhaps the episode would have worked better as the season opener for, again, for the reasons that you said as well. We knew what the outcome was going to be. Also, Una was in the marketing campaign on the Enterprise for half the season. It's like, it's like, uh, hmm, what way is this going to go? (laughs) One to ten. Mick, what do we think? When I first saw it, I was like, easily ten. Best I've seen in Modern Trek. With the context of all of season two, I'd probably bump it down to maybe like a solid eight. I think I gave it an eight and Tom gave it a two. So <laughs> I, just... <laughs> I gave it a four. I gave it a four. Not a two. I'm not that evil. Oh man, I, was here I love that. I gave it a four. I'm not that evil. That's fine. <laughs> love it. Episode three. Then we get Laan. We get Kirk. We get time travel, and we get tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. What did we think of that? You know, I love good storytelling, and I felt like. From start to finish, this episode is just full of that. We get uh, another appearance by not Kirk. Paul Wesley is not Kirk, alternate timeline Kirk. (laughs) Um, 
but then you get this you set up this cool uh love story that i'm kind of sad in hindsight to say i feel like we kind of see the resolution in uh subspace rhapsody later in the season i was kind of hoping they draw it out for longer and make it more of a ross and rachel will they won't they kind of thing from friends um especially just like the overhanging storyline of just like oh you had this big relationship with a guy in an alternate timeline and then you come by and you learn nothing i felt crushed for lawn uh when she's crying at the end when she gets back i was like oh man i just felt that in my stomach i was like that's so terrible we we heard about the loneliness and all that stuff and um overall i know there was um a big to do or at least in my mentions um on the changes to canon pushing the timeline forward with khan and all of those things i thought that was great i thought um when i talked to akiva goldsman henry alonzo myers i agreed completely that if you want to make star trek a show that you aspire to you can't necessarily root it in events of the past um and they have the ability through storytelling and past star trek stories to do that they can do temporal distortions and push things forward and continue to make this something we hope to aspire to and maybe even a cautionary tale of things we want to avoid so i was completely on board with all that what did you guys think yeah yeah no i i i like we we discussed a lot about the sort of various changes and things that they did and and we've said a lot like when you've been making this kind of show for you know almost 60 years or whatever You've got to let go of some things from here, from time to time. Definitely be aware of what's been done and and what you think you could and can change or should. Um, but yeah, this episode was a fun one for me. I think after the first two, I was happy to have a bit of a romp. There was a few moments where I was like, oh, okay, I get what they're doing this thing, they're doing this thing now. Um, but overall, I was just happy to see to see some fun, and I also didn't mind the the sort of love angle they were doing. Um, you mentioning that they they sort of it fizzles out in the uh, musical episode. They also s- sort of had they ended the Spock and uh, Chapel uh, thing in episode two. A strange episode to decide to end story <laughs> arcs by singing about them. Um, but we'll talk about that in a bit, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, overall, it was a fine and fun episode. I think. Um, and very, very similar. I love the way they got around the time, you know, the can as a child in the 2020s and, you know, it was supposed to happen in the 90s because I thought it was just clever. And uh, I'm reminded way, 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 way back. Um, we did a pod with Dave Blass and he was talking about the, you know, the thing of like in the 60s when they were writing about the eugenics war of the 90s, it was quite far in the future and quite frankly no one knew if this little space show was going to succeed it was getting beaten in the ratings every week by lost in space you know like who who ever thought it was going to do well suddenly the 90s came and went it was like uh okay (laughs) um and then likewise again we go forward so i like that and it's and it's simple and it's malleable it's like you know if it lasts for another 60 years just be like Vulcans were meant to arrive. They didn't because they're going to arrive in 100 and everything gets pushed forward. So, so I really liked that. Uh, I thought Christina Chong completely shone. I really, really liked Paul Wesley in this episode. Um, there is varying reviews for him throughout the season uh, in terms of, you know, people, oh, I don't get him as Kirk and I don't get him as, and fine, all valid. Everyone has their own opinion. I just thought he was bloody good in this episode. And, um, yeah, that ending is heartbreaking. Yeah, I want I want to say in that uh, just quickly, Lan in the first season, I didn't like her so much. I, I thought her performance was sort of okay, but compared to other characters and actors, it wasn't that interesting. But I think this season definitely, she's shown us so much, much more, and shown how good she can actually be. So definitely would be up for seeing more of her in the third season as well. For sure. I do have one complaint. I have one complaint about this episode. And it actually involves Paul Wesley. I'm sorry, Paul, but this has to this has to be said. It has to be said right here. Why on earth did Kirk go into that hot dog plane like that just stuck with me? And then he's like, oh, it's so good. I need a second hot dog. And I was like, he didn't put mustard on it. He didn't put ketchup on it. He didn't put any. <laughs> he put onions. And I was like, it couldn't have been that good to warrant a second dog. But, you know, maybe replicator just don't do the trick. I don't know. Sometimes you're right, because like, you know, it's this idea of home cooked versus home replicated. Maybe we've just been lighted. The entirety of Star Trek replicated is just nothing. Uh, and he's like, what is this? 
is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, one to ten, what do we think? I I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven. Seven, that is grand. I think, yeah, Tom, I think we scored it fairly similarly. I think probably I went for the seven and eight as well. Yeah, I think I was like a light six to a strong six kind of thing. That's like a 10 for Tom. Yeah, yeah, I was going (laughs) to say. (laughs) Um, Then we get to number four, which is among the Lotus Eaters. Um, And this is, is, again, one of the times when myself and Tom vastly uh, (laughs) had different opinions on this one. Mick, what did you think of Among the Lotus Eaters? I've seen the divisiveness of this one. And uh, Adam Holmes, he works on Simulable, and he kind of tag teams with me on Trek coverage from time to time. Um, me and him both had very different opinions on that. He would rank it among the worst episode he's seen the season. That was not at all my viewpoint. I thought it was great TOS style adventure. I felt like the whole, um, you know, the mind wipe thing. I loved that. I loved seeing um, the actors kind of play with those emotions, having their memories gone. Um, the brutality of Pike at the end was shocking to me to be a guy that like at his core, he is this person who will do what he needs to do to complete a mission kind of thing. There was just so much fun in this episode. Um, if I were to complain about it, it would definitely be that I felt there was a clear intention, uh, probably midway through writing season two after, um, this was apparently made well before they saw the reactions for season one. But there was a clear intention. They're like, oh, shit, we haven't given uh, Erica Ortega's anything to do. We need to figure out how to give her a moment besides being a side character. So they shove her in a B plot. And um, the message at the end of that B plot is I fly the ship. And you know what? I think that's okay. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, I just kind of was like, you know, it's. That's lame to me. I don't like that. And um, that was probably my biggest gripe of the episode was it just felt like they shoehorned in a moment for Eric Ortega's to try to try to maybe they foresaw the fans being upset that she wasn't getting enough shine. Um, And she does, you know, she does great. Melissa Navia, she crushes the role. She's a great sidekick character and she really helps build up the scene she's in. But she does deserve something more than what she gets in this episode. Absolutely. So that's how I felt about it. We've spoken about that specifically a lot for this season, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again in this podcast. But yeah, I'm with you on this episode. Um, I really liked it. I also, I think I said that it reminded me of a classic TOS episode. It was like, you know, here's here's the premise, and that's the premise for the episode, uh, and enjoy that. And if you don't like it, you won't like this episode, which I think might be why a lot of people don't like it. It was nice to see Pike. Pike, for me, in this season has been quite, wishy-washy in a lot of the episodes he's sort of just been around and it's not really having strong opinions either way of what's going on where with this episode you saw a, a strong presence from him and a strong opinion uh which was nice and um yeah just great star trek fun it's it's a weird thing that people discuss a lot about especially of this season of strange new worlds is do you want to see them try something very different but it not succeed for you? Or do you want the same stuff you've seen before, but they do it well? And I think, I don't know. And the best of both worlds would be great. Ignore the pun, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it would be nice to have both. I would, I would like to see stuff that they've tried that's very different and it'd be really good, as well as seeing some just, you know, classic Star Trek episodes. So, but yeah, this one worked for me really well. I think this is one where I've grown to appreciate it a little bit more as time has gone on, because I think coming out the end of it, I was I was so annoyed that it ended with I'm Eric Ortegas and I fly the ship. And I was like, no, no, there's she's gonna have her episode as the season goes on. It's gonna fly. And then, spoiler, she doesn't. Uh and so I've kind of I've almost compartmentalized that, but like, right, that is the reason the episode scores as low as it does for me. Um, I thought Anson Mount's brilliant in it. I I didn't love the whole memory guy because it was like very sudden and it was like, ah, and then we're back and then it's da, 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 da. but his speech about I mourned you to the to the yeoman, I thought it was like, oh okay, talk about talk about a moment that sort of brings the whole episode up. Um and I suppose I would come down on the I would rather see something try something bold, even if it doesn't massively land, than your kind of standard episode of the week so yeah i think if i can't remember what i scored it before probably like a really low mark like a seven 
so I might I'm, I might raise it up by one. But Mick, what would you give this one? I would give it a seven. I would give it a seven. I know some people will thumb their nose at that, but you know what? It was classic TOS fun, just like you said, Tom. I, I was a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I think I gave it a seven too. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Number five, charades. Spock becomes human. Mick, what did you think? Uh, you know, I had... I had high expectations when I popped in. Um, I think my when I was going through my screeners, I remember going like, ah, another we're we're on the ship again kind of thing. Cause I was like, you know, it started to creep into my head. Uh people are popping up on X. How many strange new worlds are we gonna see? And I'm like, oh, not so many at this point. But you know, we're just uh sitting on the um Spock into Pring. I love this whole dynamic and uh knowing where it goes. Um, it's still I, I like that the show has found a way to still make it interesting to kind of build uh, character development for these characters and how they've managed to kind of make to bring more of a sympathetic character than she appeared in TOS. She's not the heartless wench that uh, she is. And you kind of see the uh, error on Spock. You know, there's the character flaws and a character who is you know, highly revered as the the Jesus of, so to speak, of Star Trek, you know, Spock is held in high regard uh, to see him at a young age make um, these decisions as he's struggling with his Vulcan and human identities um, is really cool to me. I think that's fascinating stuff. If you're going to show Spock, I want to see something different. I don't want to see Leonard Nimoy's Spock. You know, I don't want to see I want to see how he becomes that person and how he grows into that person. Um, and I think Strangely Worlds understands that. Um, I think that's kind of their goal with everything is they want to show this is how these people become who they are. And they really drill down on that. Um, I think that the episode is funny. It's not as funny as Spock Amok. Um, That was one that I loved, you know, endlessly. So I think some of my rating was kind of rooted in like, eh, not quite as funny as Spock Amok, but uh you know, the Vulcan performances, I love Vulcan performances in any Star Trek show. I love watching actors and how they portray the the lack of emotions or suppressing of emotions, so to speak, and how that plays differently. Uh, T'Pring's father is a standout for me because he is probably the happiest Vulcan I've ever met. <laughs> you know, he's like, it's like if Vulcans were happy, he'd be about like the, the peak of what it would be. And uh, I just... Yeah, there's just a whole wild family dynamic. And I don't want to say it like humanizes Vulcans, but it shows that they have the same human problems that we have uh, when dealing with parents and all those societal pressures. It just kind of further makes them less lifeless to me. So I enjoyed the episode. I remember wanting to like it more uh, than I did, but still enjoying it. I think I said last time that there was moments of it when I felt like I was watching a really long SNL sketch. Um, which is when I wasn't really enjoying it so much, but then there was other times where it was working. And like the the sort of sitcom uh thing they were going for, like, you know, the the uh scary, aggressive not aggressive, but like 
demanding mother and the less the more timid father like there's very classic things that we've seen before but they they worked for the episode and made it like light-hearted and fun um and a standout for me this season is Spock. Like I think I've said before, I'm going to probably, st- I need to stop saying, I think I said before because that's, it's a podcast, but I can't help it. Um, <clears throat> when Spock first showed up in discovery, I remember thinking like, oh, okay, fine. We've got Spock again, whatever. We've seen Spock in various uh, ways now with Star Trek. Um, so what can they do? But with this season, definitely, I think Spock has been one of the standouts um, and you're sort of, happy when he's on screen which i think you're with spock you want to be happy when he's on screen because he's going to be on screen a lot because he's spock so it's been nice i think um yeah i i i I love this episode because i do i love the joke the running joke of we're going to get a a spock hijinks episode each season Uh, spock amok probably was the stronger of the two but to sort of sort of repeat what you said because I, I did love to see the family dynamic Gia Sandu and Ethan Peck just are so good together uh, and also that surprisingly deep ending where she's like you know I don't feel why you wouldn't come to me yet you would include everyone else seemingly on the Enterprise before speaking to me about this I was like she's not wrong mm-hmm. she's not wrong at all so yeah because yeah original series to bring is like how can we make an awful character uh, and just really get some, so. Um, plus, I think I have to say one of the one of, like if I was to give like moments of the season, one of them would be Spock wearing his hat in the transporter room, and Amanda goes, "Oh, we've moved it up to tomorrow, and it's going to be on the ship." What wonderful news! <laughs> yeah, Tom, you kind of ruined that scene for me because you said sitcom, and I immediately in my head went back to that scene. And Spock, like, removing the hat and his mom seeing the human ears. I just heard the audience in the background going, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of would have loved if they did that. That, that would have really talked it off. Um, one to ten, Mick, what do we think? I, you know, Tom changed my heart in this moment. And I feel like I need to, I was going to say seven. I think I'm going down to a six on this one because <laughs> the sitcom thing is now ingrained in my head. I'll never watch it the same again. My evil is spreading. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Damn it, Tom. We spoke about this. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Now, episode six, Lost in Translation. What did what did we think? As everyone tries to remember the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all looked up to the sky. Going, that's the thing. Is like it's a it's an episode that I remember liking, but sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, what? You know, what were the standout moments? You know, I can clearly remember. Oh, yeah, you know, we get Ahura and Spock and Kirk in the same room. And, um, uh, oh, yeah, I'd even forgotten that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get you get that moment. Uh, and I wouldn't even say it was a bad episode because Celia Rose Gooding, I think anytime she plays Ahura, uh, she shines on the screen. She's uh, I I love her. You know, I, I feel like she doesn't get as much screen time as I would like her to get. Um, but yeah, this was just kind of an episode that came and went for me. And, um, you know, we got, it felt like it should have been bigger. When I talked to Paul Wesley, I was like, this is finally prime Kirk. You know, we get the first prime Kirk, uh, episode and, you know, we got a fight between him and his brother. And, you know, I think it was the reason I find myself not being able to say a lot about it is because at the end of the day, it was just kind of a, meh. Episode, you know, nothing good, nothing bad about it for me. I don't, I don't remember anything in the episode, um, but I do remember really enjoying the last shot of of them together, um, Kirk, Spock, and Ahura, um, just for you know nostalgia's sake, really, just for seeing them together for the first time in this world. I'm like, oh, that's really nice. Other than that. I don't remember it. Uh, I remember it being it feeling like strange, uh, Stranger Things at some t- at some points, um, uh, and that sort of it. So I, there's literally nothing I can say about this episode. I'm like, it's fine. Everyone's very good in it for what they do. I like the exchanges between Pelia and Una, but other than okay, Zombie Hammer was the a completely standout moment. Um, right. Lost in translations gets sort of lost in my memory. Mick, one to ten. What do we think? Got to give it a five because I'm struggling to remember anything beyond just a few couple moments. That is grand. I think I think we're all on similar thoughts there. So next episode, bit of a rubbish one, really. Uh, those old scientists. <laughs> um, like, I mean, what's 
I don't want to say what's left to say that hasn't already been said. We'll be discussing this one for years, but what do you think? Decent? Yeah. No, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I think that you guys will probably be shocked to hear this. I don't even know if I want to bring it up, but uh, I am admittedly not the biggest Lower Decks fan. Uh, That's just kind of how it is for me. It's not anything. I appreciate the references. I like it, but uh, if you were to say, what's Mike McMahon's? greatest stuff i'd say you know is rick and morty stuff and then i go solar opposites and lower decks would be third uh the humor you know it just doesn't hit for me all the time and that's just how it is and uh i understand that other people like it and i will say for someone who is not the biggest lower decks fan i did really enjoy this episode so um you know high marks to it for that i would imagine that if you are the biggest lower decks fan you're gonna love it so uh, you know i give it you know strong eight maybe on my rating Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, well, there's no secret. I think I gave it a 10. Um, (laughs) I think I gave it a strong 8. I'm in a similar position to you. I do like Lower Decks, um, but I've not, like, it's not, I've not delved into it as much as I think other people have. Um, But even with that, I still think this is one of the better episodes of the season. Um, It's just the direction, the writing, everything about it is good, as well as the Lower deck stuff as well. So, that all worked, I think, really well. And we'll be reviewing the new season of Lower Decks on the podcast coming. So it'll be great to have you back as someone who's got a different opinion than than Sean on Lower Decks to, to have that sort of different view on it. For sure, for sure. I'd love to. That would be that would be cool because yeah, I mean, like again, there's no secret. I'm like, you know, this hyped up puppy that's been given a load of sugar when, you know, we talk about lower decks. But it is good sometimes to have uh not a completely polar, like polarizing view, but just a slightly more okay. While the puppy's bouncing over there, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's. I mean, like, I, I there's so much to say about those old scientists, but also the next episode under the cloak of war. Um, first of all, Mick, what did you think? Uh incredible. Babs Olusemun Kun is uh, the best. I I would say arguably in the top three, if not in conversation for the best actor we've had join a Star Trek series. Um, The gravity he brings to Mbenga is just unparalleled. He has so much nuance to a character who is so calm and so controlled, Um, but he brings so much to that personality that it's just captivating. You want to see everything um, and to see the juxtaposition between this and the Elysian Kingdom, something that was kind of fantastical and goofy to see that range, to see him earlier in the season where he was a frightened doctor who lost his memory. Um, it's just incredible to watch him work and he gets the chance to shine in this episode. Um, in my head, I say this is the best moral quandary episode we've seen since Tuvix. Um, and it, I think that depends on where you think what you think happened at the end. And I, you know, I bring up my uh, scoop I got from the director of the episode. It is intentional that we are not supposed to know what happened. There is no definitive thing. I know everybody has their theories and they think they know what happened. I will stand on my hill to die that we do not know what happened in that room. And I personally lean towards the fact that Mbenga did not kill him in malice. I know that may be controversial to some. That's where I stand with it. I do not think he killed him. Yeah, I think we've got similar takeaways from this. I I do think he as an actor has taken on some of the heavier things in this season. And like everyone's got their own problems, but you know, some of them are relationship issues. Some of them are a bit more sci-fi things they're dealing with, where he's dealing with like, you know, things with his daughter, things with war, like so, so heavy things that he's got to actually express as an actor that he's done a fantastic job and the biggest surprise i think so far for stranger worlds and i agree with you about the ending i I think i said in the podcast about how for me it's less about it's not about who did what but it's about they were taking the power away from you at the last minute of not knowing how it ended which sums up the whole thing with that war of just feeling deflated and like oh it's just someone killed someone but we don't know who we don't know why and uh, it's miserable which i think is a really good choice and it's made people talk about it a lot which i also think is a good thing that was one thing as well that i was going to say you made that excellent point it's like as good and enjoyable as those old scientists was this is the one that we'll be talking about i think uh, yeah. for for years to come uh the, i love that description best moral quandary episode since tubix uh, i love it um it's uh yeah i i scored it very highly as well um 
for for me, uh, I think I think Mbenga didn't kill him in Malice. I think uh, DeGraw rushed him. And that was why at the time I was just like, what was the point of the screen? That was, it, I was just like, because I felt that they set it up that that was exactly as it happened. And I was like, okay, but listen, that's great. I am but a lowly reviewer. Um, Mick, one to 10, what do we think? I will give it a nine right now. And because I teased it earlier in the podcast, I got to bring it up. The director who did Ad Astra per Aspera, she is notable. She's never done Star Trek before, but she has done dozens of courtroom episodes across television. She is returning in season three. So I believe we will find out what happens to Mbenga in season three. So right now I give it a nine, depending on the resolution and what comes of it, I might raise it up further to a 10. Oh, yep. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, then we have So Space Rhapsody, number nine. What did we think? I am... I'm not the biggest musical fan, but but um, I will say that I enjoyed the episode. I watched it probably. Gosh, I feel like I probably watched it more than I watched most of the other screeners when I got them. You know, I probably watched it about four or five times. Uh, I really appreciated my little five year old daughter uh, came in and was kind of dancing along to the song. So I really love that because I was I felt her connect with it. I hate to say it, I felt like she connected with it more than Prodigy, but she's five, you know, Prodigy is a little, still just a little bit above what yeah. she's trying to get out of Star Trek, but the music stuff, she really loved that and clicked with it. Um, so I loved it on that grounds. Um, if I had to give a complaint about it and I feel like it, it's warranted um, music, this was an opportunity to pull in new fans to Star Trek and especially people who might like musicals. Um, this is an episode that's really reliant on the story arcs of season two to where if you haven't seen season two, you're not really going to follow what's going on too much. The fan in me, however, really appreciated that because I was like, are we really going to have the penultimate episode, you know, be this one off musical that has nothing to do with the story? And then all of a sudden we're popping into some crazy Gorn stuff, you know, coming up right around the corner. Uh, so I did appreciate the care they took to put that all together and blend it and uh, overall solid episode for me. I think I'm coming up from a opposite position of you where I'm a big musical fan and I really didn't like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just for me, and I watched it with my wife as well, who's got a musical theater background. We, we, we didn't think they went far enough with any of the musical numbers with the sets. Most of the songs were kind of the same. There was a few songs which I could see why people would like, um, and I, I said last time I need to listen to them separate from the extra episode to to have a, a more of a opinion on them. Uh, but inside the episode, uh, wasn't a big fan. Both yourself and of course um, your uh, your your partner Anna raised excellent points that about the structure of musicals in general. Um, for me, this one falls, and I, I know we agree on this one. This one falls under the look at Star Trek's going. It's going all balls to the wall it's gonna you know try something new some bits will land some bits won't there's yeah. some bit some sequences i thought were just flipping brilliant in this episode uh some bits are just like okay i've um described it's better on the listen back the right. the una laan song um i've just as the go and get a cup of tea song but yeah. it's it's actually as a song it works better than a visual piece uh i i felt uh and i will defend cling pop that's my hill oh. <laughs> okay i will i will say i was upset when i found out that that was bruce horak's other appearance in trek because i was when i saw that scene for the first time i i physically cringed so hard <laughs> that i couldn't stand it and I was, I literally said out loud, I hate this. Um, but that's kind of the purpose of what it is. You want the Klingons to feel embarrassed. You want to feel their shame. But I've watched it times since and I still can't get through it. I was like, oh man, that song kicked ass. And then they break in with that Klingon thing in the middle. And I don't know if I can move past it. It's just such a hard thing for me to witness time and time again. Yeah. Say, if there's a war that breaks out between Starfleet and the Klingons again in the next season, that'll be the reason why it needs to be like, <laughs> right, it, they, they were right to go to war. Uh, one to ten, what do we think? I'll give it a seven. Seven, grand, that is fine. And then last but not least, we have Hegemony, Hegemony, the Gorn return. What did we think? The Gorn. Um, I love that they are kind of becoming the big bad of Strange New Worlds. Um, I know there's been a big to do about the forms and what they look like and 
all these things. Uh, we see the xenomorph tail that has also been a big debate, although I am of the opinion that is connected to the EV suit and not an actual part of the corn body. It kind of has a mechanical look to it. If you pause the frame, there's a very clear metal sheen that I think it's probably attached to a smaller tail. That's just my theory. I don't know anything, but that's just where I'm going with it. Um, I think the Gorn are just such an interesting species, and I am sick and tired of hearing people, what about Arena? What about Arena? I'm like, let them tell the story, damn it. Like, <laughs> just, you know, there is clearly something being set up here, and we see that in this season finale. We see Pike trying to keep more of a level head, even in the worst of circumstances, being trapped in the middle of a Gorn breeding ground where they're just mercilessly killing humans. He's like, but why? Like, why are they acting differently than they usually act? What what don't we understand? And this is where I think we're starting to see the creep in of where we're going to see um, set up more of the Gorn society, more of the Gorn structure. And we're going to learn about the species uh, more so than we ever did in TOS. And I don't know what could possibly be bad about that. But there are people who are very upset about that online. Um, overall, though, I think solid episode, I think from the time that Battelle and Pike started getting more in a serious relationship throughout the season. I had a feeling that this season would end with her death. We don't quite get that here. We get Gorn eggs in her belly. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, maybe, maybe this will lead to some scientific breakthrough where they realize they don't have to use hosts to breed Gorn hatchlings. Maybe that's where this goes in season three, or maybe he's going to have to trade Battelle away for all the rest of the hostages and give the Gorn back their hatchlings. I don't know, but I am thrilled that we weren't told for once. You know, the cliffhanger ending in Modern Trek. I'm happy to see it return. It sucks it happened in the middle of a Riders and SAG-AFTRA strike <laughs> because it could be a very good while <laughs> before we see that resolution. But ultimately, I think that anticipation is going to give us all time as fans to reevaluate episodes, to speculate, to theorize, which I am, you know, that's why we're all in it for. We love that. We love speculating track. We love all that. So um, bummer we won't see it earlier, but overall very happy with how it ended. Yeah. I mean, you said most of the things I could say. Gorn were great. I personally didn't like the cliffhanger so much just because I wish there was some sort of more of a, even if there was a cliffhanger, I still want some sort of ending to the episode itself. Um, and now we've got to wait for so long that I'm just like, oh, okay. But other than that, I thought it was a great episode. Love the Gorn. Uh, I can't remember. I think I gave it like a eight. So we love Martin Quinn, who I neglected to bring yeah. up as Scotty. What about that? Yes, yeah. Yeah, we loved yeah. Scotty as well. Yeah. It's actually funny. As, as we were talking, I just saw a tweet uh, by Christopher Doohan welcoming Martin Quinn to the Star Trek family, which I just thought was lovely. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very, very classy move. You always, you don't want to see it go the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like, you know, I see we're besmirching father's legacy. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, I I really like it. I uh, we're going to be talking about the to be continued, as you say. Like, oh crap, there's a there's a strike. Um, but overall, I really really like it. Really like what they're doing with the Gorn. Yep, it had its ups and downs. Completely saw the fact that you know, well, last week the episode ended with you know Patel saying we bought a boat called the Live Forever and we're going to sail around the world. And I've got three days left to retirement, but I just have to do this one last priority one mission and it's like i'm surprised she made it through the opening credits if i'm honest um but uh and i like that it's not resolved you like completely on the same page as yourself and going back then to what you were saying about the director for at Ad aspera returning and and we know of course Mbenga's in the original series so of the four that got beamed onto the gorn ship we obviously got Mbenga, sam kirk laan and ortegas Mbenga's gonna be fine i don't know in what form but Mbenga's gonna be fine Sam Kirk's probably going to be fine. Uh, I'm very nervous that season opener is going to be Ortega sacrificing herself to make sure everyone else escapes. Don't do it. Do not make that Ortega's episode. <laughs> One to ten. What are we thinking? I would give it a... I'll give it a soft eight, depending on how season three opens up. They can be reevaluated for me. I like it. Now, what I will do very quickly is I will tell you that you have scored season two an average 7.1. Sounds, sounds about right. Excellent, because I remembered I had Excel on my computer. So, <laughs> uh, so there we go. So 7.1. I th Looking at that, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good indicator as for season two overall. 
Yeah, no, I would. Here's the thing that I struggled with when thinking about season two is that I don't think it was as strong as season one consistently across the board. However, it contains a couple episodes that I would consider the best we've seen in modern Trek. And I think that's going to be something that people go back and forth on um, in terms of quality. So, yeah, I think that's about in line with how I, I figured I would score it, honestly. Excellent. Excellent. Now, so from the happiness and joy that we felt discussing uh, season two to banishing something potentially from the franchise forever, we're going to take a trip to Cargo Bay 101. Okay, so very, very quickly, we asked before we started this episode for you to pick something from all of Star Trek to put in Cargo Bay 101. We will have a debate to see whether it gets saved from decompression or if it gets blasted out into space for all time. The job is on you to to convince us, to sway us, if you will. What are you putting in Cargo Bay 101? This may be a very niche and deep cut, so I'm just going to say that like right off the bat. Um, and it may be maybe throw you guys off a little bit because you're not from the United States. But for someone homegrown from this area, this really this really bugs me. Uh, Kate Mulgrew is awesome as Catherine Janway. Uh, I love her so much. But however, her mid Atlantic accent um, where she speaks like someone from like the 1920s where she's like, oh, the papers. And, you know, she speaks like that. I grew up two hours from Bloomington, Indiana. This is how people from Indiana sound. She is not from Bloomington, Indiana. There is nothing in her voice that sounds like she's from Bloomington, Indiana. When we go to Bloomington, Indiana and Voyager, that looks nothing like the real Bloomington, Indiana. (laughs) Um, And a lot of Hoosier uh, Star Trek fans will acknowledge that. And we all have a laugh about it. Um, But that's just something that's always bugged me. And And the thing about Voyager is when you watch it, she brings up Indiana so much. And she talks about things like, well, when I was on a farm and I was like, there's barely any farms in Bloomington. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it was just it just irks me to no end because I love Janeway. But in my heart and my heart of hearts, you know, this is equivalent to uh, Jean-Luc Picard to me. You know, it's like, you know, he has the accent, but he's from France. She claims she's from Indiana, but she doesn't sound like a Midwesterner to me. And also the confusing thing about this is Kate Mulgrew was born and raised in Iowa, which still doesn't explain why she speaks the way that she does. So I don't know like where that all came from. I'd love to talk to her about it one way day in a non-offensive way. <laughs> if I could ever do that and be like, why do you talk the way you talk? I need to know why this I, I, I'm going to fight. I, I don't think I have any argument because, I mean, you've got a local here saying yeah so i just i know right now that although we can't see her ellie's crosshairs are just like are absolutely focused on all three of us right now so yeah. if we do <laughs> airlock this we need to warp out of here <laughs> fast well i can relate to it is you watch a lot of american shows and then you have one british character and they talk like they say hello i'm the british one and it's like why can't we just have someone that sounds like a normal british person without it being so over the top so from that standpoint, I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, and and as an Irishman as well, <laughs> uh, you know, we, <laughs> for, you've got it worse. For, for, for every Miles O'Brien, we've got an up the long ladder. So do you know what? I think in solidarity, I'm going to slam my hand down on this button. Sorry, Ellie. Away it goes. <laughs> Which brings us right up to our Ask Trek Culture section. What do you have for us this week, Tom? Yes, I've got a a few questions here from over the last couple of weeks. Um, Just to remind everybody that it is uh, hashtag Ask Trek Culture if you want to send us a question for the podcast. If I don't read it in the recent episode, I may read it in future episodes like I'm doing now. Uh, Also, it doesn't have to be about whatever uh, episode of Star Trek Mm. we're reviewing. It can be anything. It can be about... Trek culture can be about uh, the guest, if you know who the guest is, that we don't normally say, but in case you do, or maybe there's a guest that we've had on that you want to ask a question, we can ask them next time they come on, um, or anything you want. Uh, but let's start with... Oh, first I should say, we've got a question from 
uh, at uh, at Taurus Cole, and he has told us that it's his birthday on Saturday. Yes, uh, so Saturday. So this yeah. this will air. So it's as when this airs, it's last Saturday. Yeah, so we awesome. hope you had the happiest of birthdays. Yeah. Happy birthday, Cole. Love you. Uh, and now this is a question from at Taurus Cole. Uh, hashtag Ask Trek Culture. Are the days of Ortega's numbered? The original characters are drifting in. So is Sulu next? So I guess there's two questions there. Do we think Sulu is the next one coming in? And do we think Ortega's is on the way out? I do think Sulu's the next one to come. Um, but I just hope not for a while. Like give us, give them time to breathe uh, and yeah. give us more time with Pike's crew. Am I allowed to speak during the Asterix question? Oh, God, yes, of course. Sorry. Yeah, this is just, yeah, this is just for the podcast, sorry. I was like, I'm not sure about there. I don't know. So, okay. <laughs> I think that Eric Ortegas will, God willing, survive the Gorn encounter because I could not think of a crueler thing for the showrunners to do, and I think they know it would be terrible to do that to Ortegas. Um, Sulu, you know, that's kind of a tough question because I think I'd love to see a little more Sulu and see kind of that growth arc. Um, especially considering he was denied a lot of that in TOS. We didn't get a ton of that. But at the risk of Ortega's, uh, I don't know. I think Ortega's will be fine and she'll stick around and uh, become a war hero, if, assuming she isn't one already. <laughs> uh, this is not really a question. It's from at A-I-L-S-O-D, A-L-S-O-D. Um, dear hashtag Trek Culture, not a question, more of just to let you know. I bake cookies while listening to your podcast uh, you are welcome to have some. The oatmeal and peanut butter. Thanks for the great podcast. That sounds delicious. And I saw the photos she put up, and I was like, I actually would really like to eat them, but probably don't send them to us because they might go gross by the time we get here. But that's really nice to know that they're they're baking while they listen to the podcast. So I just wanted to share that because I thought that was lovely. That's really nice. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Thank yeah. You. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, okay, last question. Sort of what we talked about. Hashtag Ask Trek Culture. Do you think that when Boimler refers to Utegus as a war hero, he's talking about oh, this is from um at Giant Brown Guy. Uh where first to Utegus as a war hero, he's talking about her future actions with the Gorn rather than the past with the Klingons would set up a nice future Otegus focused episode. I think it's for me, I think it's vague enough that it could go either way. I think and right. I presume that was deliberate. Yeah, I think they're being vague with it on purpose. Yeah, well, I think the fact that Ortega seemed confused by it, maybe it was, yeah, I could see like, oh, what I did during the Klingon War was notable. Or, yeah, if he's foreshadowing a future war, I don't know. Uh, Henry Alonzo Myers always brings up the thing. Uh, he said to me once, we don't bring things up unless we intend to revisit it. And that always sticks with my mind in these instances. So if it was said, there was a reason it was said, and they're going to do something with it, which is why I hold out hope that we'll see Cybok and Angel return in season three uh, after no mention in season two. But yeah, if they bring it up, it's going to be mentioned again. So yeah, I have hope that this will probably be referenced in the future. I hope it doesn't come to a Gorn War, but if it does, well, you know, that might be good television. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, I think that brings us up to time. Mick, I want to say thank you so much, because speaking of time, thank you for being here so early from your time as well. Um, I, ha, has the sun risen? Yeah, yep, sun's up. I sent my daughter off to school, came here, did the podcast, and then I will start my work day in about 10-ish minutes. So, you know, we're doing great on time. I love it. Wow, wonderful. You are an absolute hero. So we will we, we will thank you so much, and we will give you a chance to grab yourself a coffee now. So uh, just really quickly, uh, where is the best place to find you online and to find your output? Uh, tell everyone. Uh, cinemablend.com is where I write all of my content. Legally, I cannot write anywhere else, but, you know, so that's where you find me. Um, my Twitter handle at Geeky Mick with uh, two, you know, threes for the E's, G33KYMICK, because I am a millennial and there was a time that we did that and yeah. it's too late. I'm branded. I can't change it now. So that's where I'm at on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's kind of mostly where I think I hang out with all the Trek people and uh, occasionally annoy them with my takes on other shows. Because uh, I write about a lot of stuff other than track. Um, lovely. And Tom, where is the best place to find yourself? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Roberts Finn or Tom C. Finn. Uh, you'll be able to find me. Uh, I'll be doing various videos, editing videos for Trek Culture and 
uh, presenting some and doing this podcast. So yeah, find, also share and like the podcast and all that stuff as well, please. Fantastic. Please. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Please, everyone. To, to <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Um, of course, please subscribe to this podcast. Please, if you could take a second. Uh, every every time you leave a review, it massively boosts uh, engagement and numbers. So thank you so much. You can find us over on Twitter at Trek Culture. Uh, we're on Instagram at Trek Culture YT. I'm at Sean Ferrick on the various socials as well. Everyone, season two was awesome, or at least a 7.1. So <laughs> we will be back with, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. We'll be back the ups and downs for Lower Decks starting on September the 7th, and we will have so much fun to share with you in the meantime. Mick, Tom, thanks you both so much. Everyone live long and prosper. <laughs>